You know the movie uh, Django Unchained, where um, it's kind of, it's a revenge fantasy. But in, in Django Unchained, there's legitimate reasons to, you know, want to write a revenge fantasy because of the awful things that were done to the black community in, in the time that the movie is set. So it's cool to see this slave owner, you know, get destroyed. And all these terrible people get destroyed. Well, that's what God's Not Dead is. But for Christians, who are the majority in our country, they have no reason to make a movie like that. And so they're taking this approach assuming, well, we're, we're persecuted. But yet they're not. <laughs> so it looks, it looks mean. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. We are here on the Theology Corner Podcast Network. If you want more shows like this one, go to theologycorner.net, where there are lots of people way smarter than I am who actually know what they're talking about when it comes to theology. Well, today I am talking to Kevin McCreary, a.k.a. Say Goodnight Kevin. He has taken the bullet for all of us in watching untold numbers of terrible Christian movies and critiquing them on YouTube. He has a hilarious YouTube channel. So, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much for those... uh potentially unearned compliments but i appreciate them nonetheless <laughs> they are not unearned at all your show is fabulous i've really really been enjoying it so let's just get right into it the overarching question i think that we will all have on our mind when doing this interview and listening to this interview is why the hell are christian movies so terrible <laughs> especially in light of the great legacy of christian art you know we have people like c.s lewis and J.R. tolkien and madeline longel and going all the way back to people like Milton and Bach and so on. You know, we have this great legacy of Christian art, but in the modern age, there's kind of this uh, famine <laughs> of good Christian mm -hmm. art. And that is a big question. And maybe over the course of this conversation, we can start to answer it. But before we get into that, just tell us some about yourself and why you take on the uh, terrible cross of... <laughs> of watching so many of these terrible Christian movies for us. Yeah, that's that's a great metaphor. Uh, you know, I'm I'm basically Jesus, <laughs> and it's just my burden to bear. I, I, before I watch a, a movie, I just I go into my garden and I'm like, God, please take this burden from me. You weep tears of blood because trust me, when I watch the movies that you watch. Like, I've, I've watched a few of the films that you've reviewed, uh -huh. and I feel like I'm being fucking bludgeoned to death by yeah. how terrible these movies are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's insane. Um, some, some of the, I mean, some of them aren't horrible. Some of them, but I'm, I've been, I'm a bit skewed now. It's kind of like, well, well, this one, I guess, I mean, I just finished watching that other one. Is this one bad? Or is it good? <laughs> well, it's not that one. So... There is that where I, I sometimes I feel like I've really 
I've warped my brain. You know how Christians are always worried about, you know, if you listen to secular music or you watch the wrong kind of movies, then your brain's going to get warped. I've had the opposite happen. <laughs> Where your your bar of what is quality entertainment has been so deeply devastated by... yeah. It's like that conscience. It's my conscience of quality. I understand. Has been uh, destroyed. Well. <laughs> yeah. No. That, I, I, that's terrifying. I think that I think that the thing is, like, I grew up, I mean, I'm sure I get the feeling like, I mean, this is like every stand-up comedian's opening line when they're about to tell all their religious jokes. They always say, I grew up in a religious home. And so that that's kind of their, their way of making it okay to be able to make jokes about religion. But I imagine... That's also like just just the story of everybody, like probably 70% oh, yeah. of the United States. Oh, yeah. All of is, us grew up in a religious I home. I grew up in a Christian home. Then I grew up and was like, wait, do I? What do I? And then you have this exploration time because it was so embedded in the culture. And I think it, to a degree it still is. But there's, there's even, um, I mean, you mentioned... You and I, we got connected because of Matt Langston from 117 and Jelly Rocks. And he is the reason this show exists. And I think him and I connect because we have a really similar story. And I, I know you've had him on the show, so I imagine his story, he shared just kind of that, the, the exact same thing. Like, grew up in a Christian home, very kind of Southern Baptist, cultural Christian world, and then... So I know that world. Like, I was homeschooled. I was in com- homeschool co-op, and I uh, I went to North Greenville University, which is a tiny Southern Baptist college in South Carolina. Mm. But yet, my pa- we always watched movies. Like, my family, we didn't watch Christian movies. In fact, I remember watching some Christian movies and my mom saying something like, this is pretty lame, isn't it? <laughs> and and they, like they were pretty we uh, we knew what good movies were like we watched right. good movies and stuff you know i remember seeing the omega code <laughs> and that was probably the time when i realized oh there's a difference like there's a difference between christian movies and yes. just movies yes but i don't hate it like there's a love hate relationship with that whole world with that whole culture because part of me just wants to see them do better right like I, i'm like why don't why like that what's i understand that there's low budgets and stuff but also you don't need a big budget to get a good script written well you know i was actually just about to bring that up because the impression that i get from your channel and this is one thing that i think a lot of us you know, recovering evangelical children relate to is we have this deep love-hate relationship with our childhood. And we have this deep love-hate relationship, kind of this weird Stockholm syndrome with our (laughs) Christian upbringing, where I, I think a lot of us are in this place of negotiating with what parts of our faith stay and what parts of it go. Mm-hmm. You know, what is ours and Absolutely, what is bullshit. Yeah. And then we're mm-hmm. also negotiating what parts of it were good for us and that we loved and were healthy for us. And then what parts of it were not as great or not as helpful or more damaging. And it isn't this all or nothing black or white become an atheist or become a baptist and and fully embrace zero religion 
or fully embrace your conservative evangelical religion. It, I feel like a lot of us are kind of in this weird, uncomfortable in-between place, and we are navigating that kind of weird love-hate relationship we have with our upbringing. And I yeah. think the appeal of what you do, I mean, this is just me, <clears throat> the appeal for me of what you do is a it's very funny a it's very well produced you're very good at what you do but also it it's just speaks to that weird place that so many people our age are in where we have this love hate stockholm syndrome relationship with our evangelical culture and there's something weirdly therapeutic about your channel because you don't totally 100 hate it and you don't totally 100 love it you're in this weird middle place and and i think that there's a level where even the hate stems from maybe some some love oh, absolutely where i'm like oh ooh, come on man what <laughs> did you have to do that <laughs> do we have to go there like can we can we do this you know the uh, uh watching your your sibling do something dumb you know there yes. it's like oh man and and you're absolutely right like i just spent some time at like a religious broadcasting convention and had this conversation a lot, um, just thinking about, I don't want to throw baby Jesus out with the bathwater. Yeah. If if it's real, you know, if it's true. Like, and I think that's, it's the best place to be to just say, you know what, I whatever is real, whatever is true, that's what I want to believe. Absolutely. And, you know, a friend of mine has, the, has this video called When Christian Kids Go Bad. <laughs> and that annoys me just as much like that, that sort of kind of like, well, I just realized that my parents were wrong the whole time. And so now I'm voting for Bernie Sanders and I'm doing, you know, like that now I have this obligation to I'm, I'm going to the atheist church locally and I just discovered Richard Dawkins. So I'm worshiping him. <laughs> and it's like, OK, now now you've you're just following a different side of the exactly just like the, now I'm I've joined a new church and it's the church of the opposite of whatever whatever my parents did and you know you know by all means dear listeners my humble opinion is that you should be a bernie bro and definitely go vote for bernie but don't do it because your parents didn't because your parents are are voting for trump don't just do it for that well and you know this that's kind of that kind of gets to the heart that kind of gets to the message of what this podcast is all about which is i don't want to throw away religion and I don't want to throw away my upbringing because no matter how much I want to, the simple reality is that I can't. It is part of yeah. me. And I can either turn to face that and be honest about it and take the good and analyze the bad and learn from both or just be in denial. And, mm. you know, I, I feel like that's kind of one of the meta narratives of this show. So let's fast forward some to focus on the family. Uh, you were employed at Focus on the Family, and I'm just curious about that. Just, just tell me some about that. Well, it's it's funny because I, like I said, there's that that love hate world, and I grew up listening to Adventures in Odyssey. Like oh that, me too. My parents may not have rented Omega Code, but Odyssey was kind of. I didn't have every album. I had friends, homeschool friends, who they just got every album when it came out. But I still, I listened every, there. we had a radio station that played it every morning, and, and I listened to it, I mean, every Saturday morning. Anyway, listened to it a bunch, and I loved it. And so when I was in college, I had the opportunity to do an internship with them, and I'm like, geez, this is awesome. I get to go intern with Adventures in Odyssey. 
And it is really interesting because I didn't listen to Dr. James Dobson as a kid. I think my parents read his books and and that sort of thing. So I didn't really know a lot of like kind of just the perception of what Focus on the Family was outside of... You didn't know the ideology. I mean, to be fair, adventures and honest, adventures and honesty, adventures yeah. and odyssey <laughs> is pretty awesome. Oh yeah. Well, there was an episode. There's one that isn't awesome where focus on the family clearly had a really big influence. Where they did one where they're kind of trying to cover the issue of gayness. <gasps> I need to watch this. I need to listen to that because as a fabulous queer, I need to see that. It's weird. I don't know why they brought it up. I don't think they needed to. And because they're a kid's show and they don't want to actually say anything, they dance around the issue so much (laughs) that it's not saying anything. Right. And you got Mr. Whitaker talking about trains crashing into each other. Oh, no. And I'm like, whoa, no. Oh, no. (laughs) My friend and I always joke, we're like, look, look, Connie, a train is meant to go through a tunnel. Not this isn't what he says, but we just take it to an extreme. We're like, but if two trains try to bump into each other, it doesn't fit. And, you know, really, <laughs> obviously, uh, that's amazing. It, it's, it's not that weird, but it, it's definitely just like, what are you what are you guys trying to say here? Because I feel like the writers we're trying to say one thing, and then their bosses were like, well, but we're focused on the family, so we got to make sure we're... And then it just gets muddled, and uh, I, it, it's bad. So the, outside of that one, I was like, this is like the one safe haven of Focus on the Family. Because, okay, I'll tell you a little bit about my, my story with Focus, because I, I worked for the Daily Broadcast. People there are really nice. They're really nice people, and I really respect Jim Daly, the, the new president of Focus on the Family. Sure. Because... He's changed the focus from he's changed focus. He's changed the focus from really like activism to orphan care initiatives. Yeah, he has shifted away from the culture wars. Yeah, and and I I like that because that's necessary, and I think it's he's doing more good with yeah, that. I agree. I uh, I ended up getting let go from Focus, and it was because I broke a policy. I I probably won't say everything that happened, but I felt really bad because I felt like, you know, here's a place and they talk about grace and love and that sort of thing, but they kind of threw me to the wolves. They were like, all right, well, you, you, you made a mistake and so get out of here. You know, I mean, this is a place that has counselors and psychologists and stuff on staff. Mm. Couldn't you have at least let me talk to some of those people and, and say, all right, you messed up, but let's figure out why. Right. You know? And because there was there were reasons why. And I'm not like making excuses for making stupid mistakes. But like other than I was 24 and I had been engaged in that that girl had cheated on me. And so I wasn't in the best place in my life. Sure. And I wish the people I worked for had been a little more loving, especially since that's the people who claim to be the loving. ones. But I will say it's the Adventures and Odyssey team. The people who who write for Odyssey and work for Odyssey, it's a different department, and they're the ones who are still my friends. They're probably the reason why I didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sure. You know, where I was like, okay, there is something important here about my faith that is real and isn't just judgmental. And that's what, that's what kind of was my saving grace, so to speak, where I wasn't just like we're diving into 
giving up on all of it. Right. And I, I don't want to make any of my decisions based on what other people say and do. You know, I do have people who message me with my channel and say, hey, so here's the weird thing. You seem really reasonable, but you're also a Christian. And to them, they feel like that's a contradiction to that. But just thinking that I, I don't know that that is a contradiction. And I think it's really thanks to the people who work for Adventures in Odyssey, who have stayed connected with me and who make sure I'm okay, really advocated for me. Yeah. You know, they, they, they advocated saying, look, Kevin is not, he's made mistakes, but he's not who you're saying that he is. This isn't really fair. So basically what I'm hearing is, you know, as, as we're kind of going through your origin story to uh, the fabulous superhero that is Say Goodnight Kevin... <laughs> so you are expressing that complicated relationship to religion that we were talking about just a moment ago, where the very same mm -hmm. company that is in some ways culturally very toxic mm -hmm. is the same culture that gave you that taught you or, or gave you something that was good enough and beautiful enough to stay in the Christian faith simultaneously the same company that let you go which i'm sure hurt is also the same company who provided the people who are still friends and still support you Th that's what i'm hearing and yeah this is the thing that i always want to convey to people kind of outside of the faith because really i straddle both worlds i have one foot in kind of the skeptic humanistic progressive community and then i have one foot still yeah. in the christian community i have no intention of ever changing that because i am both of those things i am both a skeptic and a humanist and a christian and a mystic and one thing that i always that i'm always struggling to convey to people is no this isn't this this hard black and white thing and we would be dishonest to just reject it Altogether, we would be dishonest to reject it completely. And I understand that sometimes people are so wounded and so hurt that they do have to reject it and walk away from it just 100%. But I'm not that person. And a lot of people aren't. And so I hear you describing yet again kind of that weird in-between place. Kind of moving forward to your channel, after all of the you know, dozens of Christian movies that you've watched. What are like the most common wrong-headed themes that just pop up again and again and again? And then we can also do the converse. Like what are the good, what's the good stuff that that comes up in these films again and again? Like if you could connect the dots between the the uh, common themes and and so let's start with the let's start with the negative ones what are the worst okay what are the worst just most backwards wrong-headed delusional themes that you see the most regularly in these films well first off i mean probably one of the most prominent that that a lot of people notice is that uh, tying back to what we were just talking about just that to me i have my foot in both worlds as well but that's because like if i if i go to church which isn't very often but <laughs> my wife likes to so i <laughs> i go with her and uh if i go and i see people kind of like worshiping and stuff and i'm like do like how do they know for sure like i feel like i have some things that i know for sure but that's because i've gone through all this all this like you know you mentioned c.s lewis one of my favorite people uh when it comes to like i love mere christianity i love uh chesterton and orthodoxy because that 
had such a profound effect on me to say, okay, there is something here to think about. And so I went through asking like, well, but what if there isn't a God? What if like we're just singing to the ceiling? What if, we, you know, I asked those things. I am a skeptic and I, I don't want to just believe just because. If I were to say, hey guys, what if there isn't a God? Like right there in the worship service. Uh, <laughs> like that, you know, obviously I should I think you should that, like, and record Maybe I the will reaction. next time. But have you guys asked that? Like, how do you sit here and worship when you've never asked it? And to me, I think then that, I think not asking that, uh, the reason why that question isn't asked is because there's this huge insecurity in the church. And this is, this is the, there's a huge insecurity when it comes to faith because people, if you ask that, then you might be right. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. like you might not like the answer that you get. So it's easier to just say, let's not, let's just not go there. Let's just, it's faith. Let's just have faith. And and faith means you just believe without asking questions. Mm. And I don't agree that that's what faith is. Lewis, C.S. Lewis didn't agree that that's what faith was. And so I think the, the, all of that to say, there's this, there's this portrayal of the skeptic in Christian movies that is uh, demonizing. Mm. It's, um, you know, we see that in the God's Not Dead films where anybody who oh even my suggests God. That, yes. there, that, that there isn't a God is out, they're just doing it to get Christians. You know, there's this part in the, in the first God's Not Dead movie where the atheist shares his, his atheist testimony, uh, you know, because apparently everybody's by default a Christian and then they become an atheist, which I guess in the U.S. to some degree that is true. But he shares where he's like, so my mom died of cancer. I prayed for God to heal her and he didn't. So that's when I realized, you know, there's not a God. And so the Christian who he's opening, the this atheist is opening his heart to, then the next scene chews him out in the class like why do you hate god is it because your mom died and like uses this heartfelt story against him to prove a point in front of his his own class <laughs> and i'm like that is the that is that's wrong. low like that, that is very here's, low here's an opportunity within this fictional scenario that you christians have created you've created this fictional scenario where the christian really looks like the bad guy why not, like in real life, the thing to do is to say, you know what, this whole debate we're having in front of class, I realize now that maybe that's, we're not going to get anywhere with that. Let's go have some coffee and talk about this because I think we're more alike than, than we realize. Right. You know, bring the conversation back to a reasonable discussion. That's what Christians should be doing. Like if, if Christians really believe that God's, you know, revealed some sort of truth to them, then people who haven't had that, whether that's true or not, if you believe that, then people who haven't had that truth revealed to them, it's not their fault. Right, exactly. So it would be like treating a child, getting mad and angry and yelling at a child because they, they've got food all over their face, you know? Mm. All right, let's calm down. Let's pretend the spoon's an airplane. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and make this a a, a, a a palatable discussion. In other words, like especially the God's Not Dead films, it, it, it doesn't demonstrate a good faith debate. It, it doesn't demonstrate any kind of good faith towards mm-hmm. the skeptic where 
these films tend to assume that the non-Christian or the skeptic is someone who is Christian by default, but then deconverted for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. And now has some sort of agenda to hurt Christians and to take them down. Yeah. Okay, so this actually gets me to another question speaking of Uh, you know, speaking of that agenda to destroy Christians is one of the common themes. And I have not seen, you know, the large variety of Christian films that you have. You know, I try to watch them with my roommates and it tends to make an already miserable day at work just that much more awful. (laughs) But is a common theme a persecution complex or this idea that the world is out to get Christians? And if so, could you talk about that some? Now, I will say that I think that that's shifting. Okay. Potentially. Just based in the movies that are coming out this year, this month, actually. Three huge Christian movies are coming out this month. Mm. Today, actually, well, the day that we recorded this, uh, I Can Only Imagine comes out, uh, which is about, based on the song, and then there's a movie called Paul, the Apostle of Christ, which is like a biopic of Paul. And then God's Not Dead 3 is coming oh, out. Oh, man. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna actually and, be going to theaters to see that one. We could actually, yeah, you but, know what? You could come back onto the show and have another conversation about God's Not Dead 3 if you want. I would love to. It's, it's a fascinating—I'll just say, because I actually saw an early screening— um, and I'll just, I'm not allowed to say too much about it, but I'll say it's, it's interesting. Okay. It's an interesting take. And so I, that's all I'll <laughs> okay. say. Sounds it's, good. I'm not, I'm not telling people to go see it. I'm just, you're just saying it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I was actually thinking it was pretty interesting compared to the other two, but I don't know. I, I'm, I just did a review of a movie called Let There Be Light and it's Kevin Sorbo. And it's basically like, Hey, wow, we made a lot of money off God's Not Dead. Let's see if we can do it again. And that's like the ultimate persecution complex. It's produced by Sean Hannity. Oh, God. Uh, so you can only imagine what that entails. It's it's so gross. Like, it's a really gross movie. Yeah. In terms of that whole persecution complex, because it just assumes that. And what it is, is, you know, you know, the movie uh, Django Unchained. Yes. Where um, it's kind of it's a revenge fantasy. But in, in Django Unchained, there's legitimate reasons to, you know, want to write a revenge fantasy because of the awful things that were done to the black community in in the time that the movie is set. Yes. So it's cool to see this slave owner, you know, get destroyed. Yes. And all these terrible people get destroyed. Well, that's what God's Not Dead is. But for Christians, who are the majority in our country. Exactly. They have no reason to make a movie like that. And so they're taking this approach assuming well we're we're persecuted, but yet they're not. <laughs> so it looks it looks mean. Exactly. And it looks delusional. You know, I don't want yeah. to assume that you, you know, that you're some kind of evangelical culture oracle and that you know where stuff like that comes from, but since you have spent a lot of time in evangelicalism, mm-hmm. do you have any like direction or sense of where that comes from? Like, why is that persecution complex? Why is this idea that oh, we're this we're this oppressed minority when in fact mm-hmm. they are this prosperous, powerful majority? Right. I saw some some quote that was like, hopefully one day Christians can worship in public in this country maybe even this is crazy it was it was john stewart who made the quote he's like maybe one day we'll have a a christian president or maybe 49 christian presidents consecutively (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just like they 
you have to you it's not a rule but you have to at least claim to be a christian to get elected in this country so you know i, I think it stems from i think it's political you know like they're told that they're like look at the media look at the movies in hollywood they're all anti-christian look at the way christians are presented you know and i can see that you know if that's all you're looking at if you you find your meaning in life as to how much you're represented in hollywood then well that's probably there's only a few people who can uh, (laughs) who could enjoy that but like that's not where meaning is. That's not where worth is. And so I think because people tell themselves this and they're able to find places, I mean, they're able to find places like that, then they can they can convince themselves. But it, it, it also, this is the reason for the bad Christian movies, I think, is because there's an insecurity among Christians. Like, they're not confident. They, they may say that they really believe what they're saying. But I think a lot of people are scared that maybe they're wrong. And that's why they get upset if someone starts to have questions and starts to, to be a skeptic. And that's why I always think of it, there's this kind of like this insecure ex-girlfriend that the, the church acts like, where they'll like kick anybody out if they even remote, if they mention the word gay inside of the church, then, well, you're out of here because you support the gays and we don't want you here. And I would be practically and, fucking drawn and quartered. Yeah. Yeah, you just 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 <laughs> put them up on that cross we got here because uh, you know Romans. You have you ever read Romans? Too so, many times. Yeah, that's my and, favorite. Uh, is when people are like, "Well, have you read the?" And I'm like, "Yes, actually, I've read it many times. Thank have you." You finished I, the letter. I know uh, what people. <laughs> I know what it says. I've read it many times. That's what you should tell them. You should say, "Have you read all of it?" <laughs> Because that's it doesn't end in the second chapter, you know. Exactly. There's more. There's a hell There's of a lot more that comes more. after all that. Yeah. So the uh, I think that that sort of insecurity. So they'll they'll just they'll anybody who claims to be a Christian, you're like, get out of here. You know. I think jars of clay said something uh, about maybe we shouldn't be mean to gay people. Yes. And they took all their albums out of all the Christian stories. Yes. And, and they, stuff. you know, jar. That was a really interesting situation where jars of clay. It was like on Twitter or something where uh-huh. their like lead singer posted something which suggested, hey, guys, maybe we shouldn't be like so nasty to the gays all the time. And Christendom freaked the fuck out. Yeah. And uh, not even for saying that gay sex is OK, not even for condoning gay marriage. He wasn't even saying that. It was like just even opening the door to being kind and you know maybe not throwing all of your stones at gay people all at once uh, that caused a meltdown they'll just ostracize people who have been faithful to them yes all this time they'll just throw them out but yet chris pratt can say my family went to church today and they just or Lady Gaga. Love it. They're like, oh gosh, oh my goodness. Did you see Taylor Swift thanked Jesus in in the thank yous in her albums? Oh, we're, our faith has been affirmed because this famous person. So that sort of attitude, I think, has a lot to do with why people will, you know, a movie will do good. You know, I'm, I, you know, I, I made a joke about Bernie Sanders, but that's fine. I'm not criticizing anybody, no. but I tend to be a bit of a free market type person. Sure. And, and what's funny is so many people who are involved in these Christian movies also are that like, they're like, well, the free market's the only way to fix things. And I'm like, well, then why isn't that how Christian movies should be? And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, 
<laughs> well, why do you have to say, hey, if you're a Christian, we got to go support this movie? Like they're saying, if we just go see the movies, then that'll make the movies better. And I'm like, what world do you go pay for the bad thing and that'll make them start making good things? Like, don't pay for the bad thing. Pay for the good thing. And that'll, that'll indicate to the, the people making the thing, oh, we need to make good things. Like Chick-fil-A, great example. <laughs> Chick-fil-A, people go and eat at Chick-fil-A not because they're Christian. Sometimes despite the Christian aspect of it, right. because they make good food. Because they make good food, exactly. So don't say, hey, go eat at Chick-fil-A because they're Christian, because we need to support Christian business owners. Go... Buy the good thing. Because it's good. And because let, it's good. Let the cream rise to to the top. Exactly. Yeah. And so what I think's happening is that that's not that's not happening. Mm. Christians are saying, like, you know, well, this Christian movie's out and we don't get enough because we're so persecuted that uh we'll never get a good Christian movie if we don't go support this one. So everybody go support it. And then you got a three million dollar movie making seventy million dollars. Jesus and Christ! It's yeah, it's one. Of the, and this is in all Christian movies, but the big ones do make that kind of return. And Star Wars doesn't get that kind of return on investment when you look at the cost versus return. Jesus Christ, that's crazy. So, and that's that's not persecution. No, you no, know? not at all. <laughs> so let me see if I can I can kind of pull apart these threads here. So basically what I'm hearing is that a lot of the attitudes, the subconscious, the unconscious, well, unconscious or conscious, whatever, but the, a lot of the attitudes that are seen in these movies and seen in evangelical culture as a whole really comes down to a deep, deep insecurity. And that is really interesting to me because I've actually, I just recently had a guy on the show named Joseph Laycock, and he's a scholar in new religious movements, which are cults. He's a scholar in the satanic panic, and Mm. he studies, you know, religious and cultural trends in America and, and religious movements in America. And he's a fascinating guy. And basically what he says is that a lot of these evangelical lashbacks towards cultural things, be they, you know, he wrote a whole book about the panic, the evangelical panic over the game Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s and 90s. Uh And basically what he says is that it's about girding themselves against doubt and that it's a deep insecurity and trying to fortify themselves against the forces that they perceive to be threatening. And so that... Because what if they're wrong? Exactly. And there's this terror of what if I'm wrong? And so that is a really fascinating point. And I actually had not considered that, that the, you know, the persecution complex, kind of this hagiography or this alternate dystopian mythic universe that these films seem to take place in, where Christians are this persecuted minority in this dystopian secular America, that they are they have these fantasies to gird themselves against doubt. And the other point that I hear, which is really fascinating, because you're right, a lot of these these Christian cultures do tend towards the, the free market ideology, which is fine, but then they kind of contradict it. Mm-hmm. They, they don't let competition within art play itself out and let the best be the best is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I yeah, think absolutely and that to me is a really fascinating point. I think the the other thing is, you know, because I don't want to say that all Christian movie makers have a persecution complex. Oh, no, that they because not all that's not even the problem with 
with all the movies, sometimes they're just cheesy movies. And I think that stems from the motivation of making the film because it's not their sermons turned into movies. And and I, I, I think that they're they mean well, some of them, especially like a great example is the Kendrick Brothers films. Uh, their desire is tell me tell me some of their films. Okay, War Room. Okay, uh, Facing the Giants. Got it. Fireproof. Got it. Okay, Courageous. And they're nice people. Like the guys who make those movies are just—they're just nice people, and they're not great filmmakers, in my opinion. Right. And people support them, you know, because they—they just say nice things in their movies, and they don't paint people as evil. They're just everyday people, but they're not super interesting people. Mm. And I think the problem there is that the motivation, to me, the reason why they're just cheesy movies is because the motivation there is, all right, we've got this lesson we want to teach. Can we write a story that teaches the audience that? That's interesting. Instead of writing just... Hey, here's a story where a character, you know, there's it's okay to have a lesson in a movie, but your character needs to be the one who's growing. You know, mm. you you start off and you're this person, you go through challenges and then you're faced with a similar choice at the end of the movie w- where you make a different decision and it's a it, it's a better decision. That's that's the hero's journey. That's what that's kind of the foundation of most stories. Yes. You want and in the stories that you cheer for, you want to see that success for the person. But I don't believe just being a Christian resonates with people as that success. Right. Okay, they weren't a Christian, then they were. But if I'm not a Christian, why am I cheering for that? You know, you made this point in one of your reviews, and I can't remember which one which one it is, but you made this really great point where you basically said the that the film in question that you were reviewing fails to explain why being Christian is such a great thing. Like, why is this uh-huh. so good for people? They didn't do the good creative work to to show the audience why is it that being a Christian is a good thing for these characters. And it's just assumed. And some movies will do that, but it's it's wrong. Like, they'll say, well, look at, look at all this great stuff that happened once this guy became a Christian. And then it's like, well, but that's not true. Like, there are people who are Christians who have terrible things happen to them. Yeah, who've been so, far, you know, who've been Christians far longer and mm-hmm. long-suffering and just have terrible things happen to them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but but you're absolutely right. Like, just kind of the, oh, right, guys, everybody dance around this person. Look at this great victory in this movie because this guy converted. But to me, if you're not a Christian, then that's like saying, you know, oh, this person was cheering for this football team, but now they're cheering for the other one. Let's all get and like if you're not a fan of either one, it's like, OK, they stopped cheering for one team. Now they're cheering for another. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Madeline Longle, who is one of my favorite Christian authors who has uh, a very bad track record when it comes to movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the author of A Wrinkle in Time, which, oh, okay. you know, has not the best adaptations. But she says something along the lines that being Christian is no excuse for making bad art. And Absolutely. that yeah. bad art is bad religion. That That's her theory that in her, in her book walking on water bad art bad religion interesting that's really good yeah and and if you haven't read walking on water highly recommend it it's a great meditation on what it means to be a christian and an artist there is a when it comes to artists of excellence there is a 
value system. When we are creating art, we are being craftsmen and craftswomen who are dedicated to excellence within our craft. And when we are in that space creating something for me, whether it's a blog post or a podcast or you, a video or all the other things you do, and the many, many other artists who are far better than we are, there is a hierarchy of value and a philosophy of what good craft and what good art is. Whereas what I see in a lot of these evangelical circles is as long as it uses the word God and as long as it preaches a message, then it's fine. And that there is a deep, there is a profoundly different hierarchy of value in these Christian circles when it comes to art. You know, I can't count the number of people who have said to me, well, Stephen, if it honors God, it doesn't matter if it's bad art. And I'm like, fuck that. But is it honoring God if it's not excellent? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Well, it, and it, it that is the excuse, but I, th- I don't believe in those types of excuses. You know? Me neither. You can't just... You can't just say, well, but like like she said, Christianity shouldn't be an excuse that I hear that all the time. Well, if one person was saved, then it was all worth it. And I'm like, well, what if what if one person walked out (laughs) because it it was it sucked? What about the many, many, many more people who have made a mockery of Christian culture and Christian Mm -hmm. faith? But then they write that off like, oh, well, of course, the world's against us. Exactly. And have dismissed (laughs) the vast riches of Christian history for the past 2000 years because of some dumb fuck of a movie yeah it yeah (laughs) there is an asymmetry here (laughs) here's what i say about like because sure everybody's got an anecdote about how they well my dad went to see fireproof and and say it saved his marriage or something you know great oh your marriage is a your your marriage is a wreck (laughs) if fireproof saved it so yeah like oh wow (laughs) you really really fixed you there yeah but the um in the bible there's a story about god talking through a donkey yes but like jesus didn't send out donkeys you know (laughs) that's a good point we're not like okay let's put all of our our mission fund into donkeys because god used a donkey once to talk no like that's an anomaly that's typically not what happens and so sure maybe god used some of these uh movies some of these donkey movies to move in people's hearts that's possible i mean i think if god can do stuff if he's an all-powerful god sure he can use a even a crappy movie like these to talk to somebody but should that be what everybody's putting all their effort towards or should we say all right but typically it's just here's the norm which the norm is just making typically it's a good movie good stories you know, mm. let's do that. Let's put our efforts towards that. And I think that there are people out there doing that. I think um, Scott Derrickson, uh, who directed Doctor Strange, is one of those people. Oh, who, I didn't know that. Is he is he a Christian? He, he's a Christian and uh, he, and he's outspoken about it. But like he just makes good movies. And he says, like, I don't make movies to tell people what to believe. Mm. I make movies to find out what I believe. Mm. And I'm like, that's perfect because now like when you're writing a story you want to go into it not knowing the answer like you want to be exploring what would happen in this situation like i love stories about kind of gray areas where you think okay culturally or typically i would say right the right thing to do is this but like 
is that the right thing to do? Really? Like, like a great example is Inside Out. Yes. Where she's, you believe and she believes she's doing the right thing. And it isn't until she realizes that she's doing the wrong thing that the audience along with her realizes like you're mm. sincere with her and you're like, oh, of course, that's the right thing. She Joy is the per is the best thing. Yes. And then the the impact is so powerful because you realize with the character all along, you've been thinking this and you realize with the character, maybe sadness isn't the bad guy here. Yes. Maybe you need sadness sometimes. I, I like that. I like stories like that that kind of explore gray areas. Mm. And if you read the or you watch the behind the scenes of of Inside Out, that's exactly what the guys writing it were experiencing, too. They learned maybe sadness isn't always bad. Mm. In the process of writing it. So it's like, oh, you you became smarter. You grew as a person because you were able to explore this imaginary world of writing. And I think that's what writing is. It's so important. And I think if you're secure in your writing and you're confident that, you know what, my job as a director and as a writer isn't to teach the audience something. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is these characters. Those are my kids. And I'm going to I'm going to not neglect my kids for somebody else's kids. It's their job and they can take away from the movie what they want. And you know what? That's what Jesus did in the Bible when he told his story. Yes. When he told parables, he was not like, all right, now here's the altar call. Come forward and I'll share with you what I actually meant by this. No, his disciples were like, what did you mean by that? And he's like, that's not for me to tell you what it's supposed to mean. He let it remain messy. Yeah. Yeah. And and so there's almost like this this OCD impulse with an evangelicalism mm-hmm. where everything has to be metaphysically and theologically and emotionally clean. Yeah. And any kind of mess, any kind of and, and you know, of course, I, I want to be careful. I do not personally consider myself an evangelical at this point, but I know many evangelicals for whom this is not true. So sure. just yeah, we're, put we're that, generalizing. We are all of this is approximation. <laughs> if it's you know? not you, we're not talking about you. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. But approximately a lot of evangelical culture is just just kind of has this allergic reaction to any kind of messiness mm-hmm. and or ambiguity. You know, like, OK, we we left the story for you to think about. Yeah. You know, you, we, when when Inception ended. I don't think that um, I don't think that uh, what, what's the director's name um, uh, uh, Nolan Nolan was like oh gosh I maybe I need to explain at the end what was a dream and what wasn't so the audience <laughs> can understand no you had everybody at the end of Inception out in the hall saying what was it what did it mean what talking about it isn't that what you want when exactly. if you really believe in your message or you really believe in your faith then make movies that get people talking about it. Because if you really do believe that God is powerful and that the Holy Spirit is real, you of all people, like Nolan wasn't afraid if people misunderstood his movie. Mm. Why would Christians, people who believe in like an actual ghost that can like talk to people's hearts, (laughs) why would you be insecure when you've got like an advocate for the very message you believe in? living inside of the heart of people. Um, right. Why would you be afraid? Like that people would misunderstand. They might, but like, is that your fault? But I think all of that stems from insecurity. 
Absolutely. You know, we've talked about a lot of the negative stuff. What's some of the positive themes that you see in these films? Well, they give me a lot of material. <laughs> that That is definitely true. Your channel is a wealth of entertainment. Uh, you know, I, I really do think that there's a... Uh, this is another negative, but I'll, I'll move into a positive. But I think there's a lot of stuffiness when it comes to Christianity that all growing up, I was a bit ADD and I was a bit of the kid who, who ended up in the corner a lot at church and at school and stuff. And I always was kind of told that that was bad, and maybe it is, but, I, you know, that's how I, that's what my channel's all about now. But, like, <laughs> you know, just just having fun. Like, come on, let's just, I just I was just making a joke. Let's just have jokes. Why are we so insecure, and why, yeah. why are we afraid to be funny? But I think that there's so much to explore, and maybe this is, this is happening more. I got to see an early version of the movie Paul, and, you know, as somebody who's misinterpreted, I think, a lot, I think that this movie understands the character of Paul and mm. and presents a really, to me, a very accurate to the Bible version of Paul that uh, that isn't isn't we're in a culture war, you, despite the fact that he could, he lived during the time of Nero. So he could have said things like that. <laughs> but I don't believe he uh, he believed that it was a culture war. I think he believed in. I think he was very secure, you know, yeah. in in his faith. And I think that this movie portrays that and and it's fascinating. I mean, there's interesting stories here. There's stories that explore really deep topics. I mean, you've got you've got a whole podcast that is dedicated to exploring these topics because they're interesting and genuinely worth exploring and asking these questions. I don't want to destroy the Christian movie, the idea of a movie having Christian themes in it. I yeah. think that maybe a Christian movie industry isn't necessary. I think that we can just, like Scott Derrickson or like, you know, like the Wrinkle in Time lady, you know, C.S. Lewis said, we don't need more Christian authors. We need more Christians who are good authors or something like exactly. that. Exactly. We don't need more little books about Christianity. We need more good books by Christian authors. With the Absolutely. caveat that C.S. Lewis wrote a lot of little books about Christianity. Y but yes. His, but his points stand and his little books about Christianity were actually pretty awesome. But do continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and I, I think that, yeah, I really genuinely believe that it's not the exist. It's not the presence of faith within a movie that makes it hokey and cheesy, even though it's easy to think that. Mm. I mean, George Lucas stuck a lot of his weird religion into Star Wars and everybody <laughs> yes, still did. likes it. You know, <laughs> everyone is still enamored. See that and, and say, okay, but I don't nice little religion there, but I'm not on it. I'm not on board. And still enjoy the stories. And I think that you can do that. I think it's possible. And I think that there are people who are doing that. And I wanna see more of that. I wanna see these topics that interest me explored. And and then a movie like I Can Only Imagine, which just came out that doesn't explore a lot of that stuff, but it just tells a story of redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe that people can be one thing and become something better. That can be acknowledged by people, whether they're Christian or not, that they are not the person that they used to be and that it's never too late to be a better person, like no matter what you've done in your life. You can change your, change your stars. And I think that's a story that resonates with everyone. You know, there's yeah. so many movies that portray that that don't, attribute it to Christianity, but I don't think it's necessary to not attribute it to, to your faith if that's true. If that's why you're different, because you found faith 
And now you're showing this character is a better person and is treating people differently. And they attribute that to God. Great. Yeah. In the same way, I think if you make an awesome movie, you don't and, and you're like, this movie was good and it's I could have never done this, but God's given me the ability to make this this good thing, then great. But I think when you're making bad movies and then you blame God for that, that you're not doing God any favors. Right. I hear you taking the time, and I really admire this about you, and I admire this in anyone who's able to do it, because I am often not able to do it, that you take the time to kind of just go through the shit and find the the good. And That's a great analogy, because I... This is a this is a little dumb little anecdote. But one time when I was a kid, I was probably like 14, a bunch of friends were going to come over to my house. And looking back at it, I realized those friends weren't really my friends and they didn't actually like me, but I thought they did. So I invited them to come over and I was weird. I was a weird kid. So a lot of people were kind of like embarrassed to hang out with me and stuff. And so they didn't come over. And I so I was like in my room and they were I like wanted them to come over and record like an audio drama with me. And looking back, you know, because I was influenced by Adventures in Odyssey. I realize now that's a weird thing to ask your friends to do. (laughs) And uh, so I recorded this instead, (laughs) recorded this tape of me just ranting. You know, this is before the internet where you could just rant. So thank God that I didn't have access to the internet because, geez, that would be embarrassing. But I give this rant in there and I'm like ranting about how I know the stuff that I make now isn't that great. But I wish that people could find the penny in the crap is is the terminology I used then. Mm. Now, and so maybe I want to do that for others because I want people to do that for me. I want people to give me the benefit of the doubt that maybe I'm not where I'm going to be, but maybe there's something, there's a diamond in the rough. There, There's something useful or something good in what I'm, what I'm trying to do. Maybe that's, that's the same, you know, with any of, with any of this. Maybe people aren't all motivated by anger and hate and and wanting to destroy people. Maybe there's genuinely a reason behind it. And if I don't take the time to find out what that is, then how can I expect other people to take the time? Because I can be misunderstood a lot, you know, especially by Christians. They think I hate them. And uh, (laughs) and that's easy to misunderstand. And I'm hurt when people think that because I think I care. I do care about them. Mm. And for them to think that I'm being hateful... I don't want that, but I also don't want to compromise and pretend that something's good when it's not. Sure. Well, I think that is a great note for us to end on. Thank you so much, Kevin, for doing this. I've really, really enjoyed this. Let's do this again sometime. Yes, please. This is this is great. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed this. I love hearing your thoughts. Very insightful. And uh, so if people want to find you, where can they find you? Well, uh, YouTube.com slash Say Goodnight, Kevin. It's uh, my channel's named after the movie Home Alone. And there's this joke in there where the mom's like, Say goodnight, Kevin. And he's like, goodnight, Kevin. And uh, <laughs> that's where that came from. And it's not Sega Night, Kevin, because it's not a gaming channel. But say so everything I make is up there. Well, everyone listening, go check out Say Goodnight Kevin. I'm going to have a link to his channel in the show notes. Please check him out. His videos are simultaneously enlightening and hilarious. They're lots of fun. If you enjoy my work and want to support it, please go to sbradfordlong.com. You can read my dozens of articles there about faith, doubt, 
sexuality, LGBT issues, and pretty much anything that strikes my fancy. Also, before we go, I have a small favor to ask you. If you get value from this show, if you find yourself listening every week and really enjoying it, if you look forward to listening to this show every week, please just take a moment to write a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. That helps me gain a wider reach, and it is so helpful for me. Also, do continue to share it, keep messaging me, keep commenting, keep sending me tweets. I love hearing from all of you. Keep sending me your questions, your comments, your reactions, your criticisms. I love hearing all of it because really this podcast is just me working out my side of the conversation and it is great to hear your side of the conversation. And what I really look forward to every time I do this show is the one-on-one communication that I have with you guys. So please keep messaging me. I love it. It might take me a while to get back to you, but I always try to get back. All right. With that, oh, one last thing. So I have recently been brought on to the Theology Corner Podcast Network. Theology Corner is a broad coalition of all sorts of Christian thinkers and theologians and scholars from a variety of different perspectives who explore the implications of Christian faith for human flourishing. It's a pretty cool collection of people. We have people like the deconstructionists who explore the deconstruction and reconstruction of Christianity. We have people like Theosophia who explore feminism and theology from a woman's perspective. We have people like belief books who explore different belief systems and topics. So lots of incredible shows on there. Most of them are way smarter than I am. I kind of don't know why I'm there. I feel like, you know, the in the room, but you know, they've brought on this fabulous, foul mouthed, heretical queen, so they can't be too bad. Definitely go check them out. All right, well, with that, I will see you next week.